0: Hi amigos, welcome to another Tex-Mex episode of the Ry Cooter story, the podcast dedicated to the music, movies, and career of slide guitar master Ry Cooder. My name is Frank. I'm a video producer, podcaster, and lifelong Ry Cooder fan from Berlin, Germany, bringing you this podcast with a little help from text-to-speech AI. This is episode 15 of the podcast, and today we talk about the movie The Border. It was made in 1982 but looks like a problem movie from the 70s, at least from today's perspective. The movie has very little music, probably even less so than Southern Comfort, which we talked about in our last episode. But this time, there fortunately is a soundtrack album and a pretty good one at that. As for the movie, of course, there will be spoilers again. So here we go. movie about the border region between Texas and Mexico was naturally made for Rye Cooter and vice versa. Just a few years earlier, he had spent much of his time in San Antonio, playing with Flaco Jimenez and his band and learning about the world of Tex-Mex. The 1976 album Chicken Skin Music was the result of this congenial partnership, as was a joint tour and the live album Showtime. As a musician, Cooter had proven himself to be something of a border crosser, between countries and regions, and between a whole range of musical styles. Until then, the theme of migration between Mexico and Texas had not played a significant role in his songs, but he certainly wasn't indifferent to it. In a 2005 interview with Rock's Back Pages, he was asked if he was disgusted by the treatment of Mexicans and Central Americans in the U.S. He said, It's the oldest
1: trick in the book, since the 1840s in California, before it was a state. All the work was done by immigrants. Before Mexicans it was Chinese, then Japanese and Italians too. My maternal grandfather was a sharecropper who came from Italy in the 20s. The Italians did better of course, because they were white, and they were also very good at agriculture and adept at winemaking, which is one of the basic building blocks of the California economy.
0: When Cooter heard that British director Tony Richardson was shooting a drama about a Border Patrol agent in and around El Paso, he was hooked. He immediately pulled out all the stops to get the film composer's job on the project. The problem was that he didn't actually have a lot of levers to pull. In other words, there was no way for him to get in touch with the producers. But while Cooter couldn't officially apply for the job, in reality, he already had it. Because Tony Richardson was a fan. In the 60s, he had been part of the British New Wave and made successful films such as The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner and Tom Jones. He also must have enjoyed listening to chicken skin music. He later wrote in his memoirs that he had Cooter in mind for the music even before filming began. So it must have been a nice surprise for Cooter when producer Neil Hartley called him one day. He told him that the movie had been shot, and that Richardson would be coming to Los Angeles a week later. Cooter should have the theme song ready by then. Cooter received a rough cut that he liked a lot, and immediately rushed to work on the song. He quickly came up with a line that would become very famous. There's a land, so I've been told, where every street is paved with gold, but it's just across the borderline. He also quickly came up with the melody, but to turn it into a complete song, he needed his friends. Legend has it that Cooter drove to John Hyatt's house in Topanga Canyon and played what he had through the bathroom window while Hyatt was shaving. Hyatt listened and warbled away. When you reach the broken promised land, every dream slips through your hand and you know it's too late to change your mind. With his catch, Cooter returned to the small backyard studio he had in his home. Next, he called Jim Dickinson and asked him for a verse. Dickinson sang it over the phone. He always had stuff ready to go, as Cooter later described it. In a hurry, he put the whole song on a cassette and synced it to the film's title sequence. Not long after, Richardson and his producer arrived at Cooter's house. Richardson had just gotten off the plane, was wearing a wolfskin coat, and had a Rolls Royce waiting outside. Cooter played the three-minute scene for him, Richardson stood up, said, perfect, thank you, and drove off. Mission accomplished. Before we talk about the song Across the Borderline and the rest of Cooter's score, let's first rewind a little and see how the border came to be in the first place. The movie defies easy categorization. Half cop thriller, half refugee tragedy, it's been called a neo noor drama and a successful invasion of Peckinpah County, alluding to the hard-boiled cinema of Maverick director Sam Peckinpah. In the late 70s, it started out as a small independent project with a $4.5 million budget, and actor Robert Blake attached to star as estranged immigration agent Charlie Smith. A few development rounds later, The Border had become a major production for Universal Pictures. The budget was increased to approximately $15 million after Academy Award winner Jack Nicholson agreed to star in the film. Filming began in July 1980 in El Paso, Texas, but after only two weeks of shooting, an actor's strike forced the production to shut down indefinitely. Most of the 130-person crew moved back to Los Angeles, while Richardson remained in El Paso to edit footage and make changes to the script. Filming resumed in late October and continued for another 12 weeks. Due to drastic seasonal changes in weather conditions, the crew struggled to match footage for continuity, and the location of the Rio Grande crossing scene was changed to Laredo, Texas. One week of the shooting schedule was also spent in Guatemala. Production wrapped in Los Angeles just before Christmas 1980. The Border tells the story of U.S. Border Patrol agent Charlie Smith, who lives in a trailer in California with his wife, Marcy. Their marriage has definitely seen better days.
1: There's times when I feel like there's a whole other person in there. Just isn't the Charlie Smith that I married.
0: Just as he's thinking about returning to his old job with recreation and parks, Marcy convinces him to move to a duplex in El Paso, Texas. There they meet Marcy's old friend, Savannah, who is married to corrupt border agent Kat, played by Harvey Keitel. When he starts his new job, Charlie is quickly taken under Cat's wing, who has some lucrative side businesses and wants his new partner in on them.
1: Take care of business, Charlie. That's all we do. We take care of business.
0: Cat gradually introduces Charlie to the human smuggling operation. He runs with their supervisor, Red, played by Peck and Pa regular Warren notes.
1: There's some real big money on the table. Smart man, he's gonna play his cards
0: right tight up against his chest. Though Charlie initially refuses to participate, his wife's free spending ways eventually force him to join the operation. But he soon finds out that there are more serious crimes going on.
1: You're killing drivers. Don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. Because if I don't know what I'm talking about, where's the driver you took in there today? See this line? This line right here I don't cross. This line right here.
0: Among the illegal immigrants Charlie helps smuggle across the Texas border is a young Mexican girl named Maria. After she loses her baby to kidnappers who plan to sell the child, Charlie decides to stand up for her and against the corruption he's been caught up in.
1: No, 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 senora. You don't owe me any. I want to feel good about something sometimes.
0: If the movie's ending seems a little messy and attached, that's because it is.
1: Within every man, there is a border. I need a Once he crosses it, there's no going back. How you doing, Charlie? Charlie's never been better, Red.
0: Richardson's first cut had Charlie getting arrested for bombing the Border Patrol headquarters. But lukewarm feedback from test audiences prompted him to change the ending, and he spent a week filming reshoots. He explained in his autobiography.
1: Once I'd edited the movie, I was still dissatisfied with it. After a lot of thought, I proposed a new ending. I liked and still like the new ending better. But who's to say if I'm right? The Border was never a tidy movie. It's a kind of documentary fresco of an enormous subject of which we touched on a lot of different aspects and maybe not complete. Perhaps the border is just too big and too living a situation to be contained in the form of any story. I am very proud to have been able to wrestle with it and grateful to Jack for making it happen.
0: For once, here's a short commercial break. But don't worry, it's all about the Rye Cooter story. From time to time, we just have to say thank you to our listeners and especially to all our Patreon subscribers so thanks for listening for the great feedback and especially for your support on Patreon but to be honest when I say all Patreon subscribers however there aren't that many it would be nice if a few more could bring themselves to subscribe to one of the three tiers like Gregory Rees for example who recently joined the Money Honey tier thanks for that Gregory the podcast is a subsidy business for me considering the cost of books, CDs, Blu-rays, and especially the AI voices. That's okay, but I'm still incredibly happy every time a new patron joins. It shows me that all the work is not in vain. It's an incredible source of motivation. For the patrons, of course, the whole thing has a number of benefits too. First of all, you're supporting a good cause. I think I've made that clear, but you also get some exclusive material I've just uploaded some new Spotify playlists. There are regular updates of the Ry Cooter timeline with all the info on releases, contributions, and tour dates. There is also an ebook with the revised texts of every 10 episodes. To read and keep. Everything else can be found at patreon.com slash the Cooter story. You might also want to give us a 5-star rating with Apple to help spread the word. And you can bang the drum with your friends and family which is probably the most effective way of all. Thanks again, and now on to the border. For the soundtrack, Cooter assembled much of his usual band, Jim Dickinson on piano, John Hyatt on guitar and vocals, Jim Keltner on drums, and Tim Drummond on bass. He also included contributions from Tex-Mex superstar Freddie Fender and Sam Samudio, better known as Sam the Sham, of Wooly Bully fame. Flacco Hemming has served as musical consultant. Cooter. I talked to Flacco all the time, and for this project, it
1: was pretty obvious that something of that generic sound was needed, because it's a border story. So I put him together with other people from that general area, like Freddie and Sam, who each represent a different piece of the pie down there. And it worked
0: out really well. With Hyatt, Fender, and Samudio doing all the vocals, there was no need for Cooter to sing. The Border was his first album on which he didn't sing at all. He told John Tobler and Stuart Grundy, I didn't want to sing, I wanted
1: to listen, to make sure it was right, and watch the movie while they were playing and keep track of it, because it wasn't written down. I think it's a great job writing for films, and I'd always wanted to do it after working with Jack Nietzsche, because it's very liberating, and it's abstract. The music has a different structure. And it's not just another three or four-minute song. There are some of those, but you can also have lots of sounds and nice textures, and it's doing a job of work for the film, a craft occupation. It pays well, I enjoy it, and I can stay home and do it. You can't argue with that.
0: If you're like me and have listened to the soundtrack a lot over the years, but haven't seen the movie in a long time and are now rewatching it, you'll probably be as surprised as I was at how incredibly little of the record appears in the movie. Two songs are prominently featured, the aforementioned across the borderline at the beginning and end, and the almost entirely played skin game. The sounds and textures that Cooter mentions, however, usually last only a few seconds, and the three or four minuters hardly last much longer. They are mostly playing somewhere in the background or on a car radio. It feels like Cooter and his collaborators went to a lot of trouble but most of it was spurned by the filmmakers. On the other hand, let's not forget that back then, movies generally had less music than today, especially in what we would now call the art house sector. So contemporary audiences definitely experienced a movie like The Border with different eyes and ears. But enough of the truisms. Let's get right to the first piece of music. It's called Earthquake, and it plays during the pre-title sequence. A Mexican baptism is shaken by an earthquake with disastrous consequences for the young Maria. It's exactly the kind of abstract otherworldly melody that Cooter was talking about. It was probably produced with an organ, but it sounds almost like electronic music. And when we said there was no Cooter singing on the album, that wasn't exactly true. The monk-like moaning you're about to hear was actually produced by Cooter and Willie Green Jr. But in any case, the vocals were alienated and reverb was added. Next up is one of Cooter's greatest achievements ever, the aforementioned title theme, Across the Borderline. The famous Tex-Mex and country singer Freddie Fender takes lead vocals. Born in San Benito in 1937, he had a troubled youth, dropping out of high school at 16 and spending time in jail for alcohol and drug abuse. At 21, he changed his name to Freddie Fender, taking it off the guitar and amplifier. He then moved to California and recorded a successful blues ballad. Throughout the 1970s, he scored a string of national number one hits on the billboard country in pop charts, including before the next teardrop falls. On Across the Borderline, Fender's plaintive voice perfectly conveys the tired desperation of the migrant in the face of a hopeless situation.
1: There's a land so I've been told. Every street is paid gold, and it's just Across the borderline.
0: The song reflects the central theme of the film in a congenial way. As we heard at the beginning, it was a relatively improvised co-production between Cooter, Hyatt, and Dickinson. Nevertheless, it seems very well thought out. It sensitively depicts the paradoxical emotional world and the absurd situation of the refugees. Their naive hopes are shattered a thousand times over by the reality of the other side. You've paid the price to come this far, just to wind up where you are. It's an eternal perpetual mobile, at least as relevant today as it was then, practically everywhere. The backing track features the songwriters on guitars and piano, Tim Drummond, Jim Keltner, and uncredited strings arranged by Nick DeCaro. An accordion can also be heard. This could be an uncredited Flaco or but some reviewers speculated that it was Sam Samudio imitating an accordion on the organ. The band creates a dusty atmosphere of quiet desperation. Fender's vocals contrast with the soft, gospel-like backing vocals by Willie Green and Bobby King. They create a real sense of the exhaustion of a person reaching out for a new opportunity, while fearing either capture or disappointment.
1: Up and down the Rio Grande A thousand foot A secret no one can define. The river flows on like a breath in between our life and death. Tell me who the next to cross the borderline.
0: There is a long list of cover versions of Across the Borderline. Cooter did not miss the opportunity to cover the song himself five years later on Get Rhythm. Harry Dean Stanton was also involved. The actor picked up the baton and later performed the song solo. Flaco Jimenez recorded it with John Hyatt on his Versions collaboration album. Willie Nelson made it a hit on his album of the same name. Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, and Tom Jones have performed it live. And in 2019, Guatemalan singer Gaby Marino collaborated with Van Dyke Parks on another very moving version, just to name a few. This is Maria, one of three instrumental pieces that slightly vary the -the across-the-borderline motif. The other two are Rio Grande and Nino. Already short, they serve the film more as brief accents than as actual film music. They are rarely heard for more than a few seconds at a time. This brings us to a number of songs that are complete tracks on the album, but are barely noticeable in the film. They are just background noises that provide the right atmosphere for a drive, a living room scene, or a party. The first is called Texas Bob. It's a composition by Jim Dickinson, sung by Dickinson himself. Set in El Paso, the song mixes Texas bop with hearty southern boogie and piano driven rock and roll. The next track gives us a little classic Cooter score. It's called Highway 23, and it features a cheerful guitar duet between Cooter and Hyatt. With the rolling riffs, Cooter is already warming up for the soundtrack to Blue City. Almida. The next song is another Cooter composition co written with Sam Samudio, who also sings on it. It's classic feel good Tex Mex, driven by an accordion that, although uncredited, must be Flaco Jimenez's. <laughs> A few words about Domingo Samudio, better known by his stage name, Sam the Sham. Born in Dallas, Texas in 1937, he formed a number of rock bands before joining the Navy and serving six years in Panama. Back in the States, he enrolled in college to study voice. but well, later said that he studied classical music by day and played rock and roll by night. In the sixties, he became famous for his camp robe and turban, and for hauling his gear in a 1952 Packard hearse with maroon velvet curtains. As frontman for the Pharaohs, he sang on several top 40 hits, including one of Rye Cooter's favorite live songs, Wooly Bully. By the time Cooter tracked him down in 1980, Samudio had long since turned his back on the music business. Cooter.
1: Sam has a boat these days out in the Gulf of Mexico. He pilots a launch that services the big oil derricks off the coast of Louisiana, and he does some fishing. I think he'd like to get back more into music, but he probably doesn't know quite what to do because he's afraid they're going to make him wear a turban again, and he's probably right. But he's a great talent, and I've been looking for years for an excuse to get him into town, and this was the kind of story he could certainly identify with. He used to be famous for carrying guns, but I found him very pacific, and he's married with a child now although he's an eccentric
0: character still, but very smart and very positive. The next song opens the second side of the soundtrack album. It's another co-production between Cooter, Hyatt, and Dickinson, but in this case, it's a track that could just as easily be found on almost any Hyatt album. Too Late makes no direct reference to the movie's migrant theme, but it describes an entirely appropriate feeling of desperation and futility. You're running out of time and money, And fate is merciless because you're just too late. The song No Quiero takes us back to Tex-Mex territory. Once again, Samudio's voice and the accordion complement each other perfectly. The lyrics are in Spanish. It is about the regrets of a man who has been left by his lover. He is now defending himself against a series of accusations. I don't want you to tell me that I didn't give you my love. I don't want you to tell me that you didn't understand me. The only thing I ask is that you look for a witness to say that I lied. Sientes cariño, no quiero que me digas que no sientes amor, no quiero que me digas que no me has comprendido. So finally, we get to the album's second highlight, aptly named Skin Game, although maybe it is much too great to be played in a cheap whorehouse on the Mexican side of the border. Critic Michael Framer wrote, With a lineup like that, you would expect the sparks to fly, and they do, particularly on Skin Game, a six-minute absolute rave-up that sounds like an outtake from Sticky Fingers. Height draws lead, Cooter wraps Keith Richards around his fingers, Dickinson pounds the piano like Nicky Hopkins. The thing just ignites from the opening bar and heats up from there. Hey, amigos, pass this by. Yeah, and money, Hyatt sings it wonderfully dirty. In addition to Cooter's ingenious continuous riff, there are some great slide passages. Amazing rhythm changes and great backing vocals from the almost complete crew. Cooter, Samudio, Bobby King, and Willie Green. Just before the end, the song takes a short break. Cooter's guitar purrs softly to itself, as if to gather all its strength once more, before the music swells one last time into a grandiose Furioso finale. Before we get to the last, real song on the album, here are some more abstract sounds. This piece is called El Scorcho. And a few seconds of it can be heard towards the end of the movie when young Maria ends up in some kind of prison for refugees and her baby is stolen. The last song in question is called Building Fires and is further proof that the Border soundtrack was above all a group effort. John Hyatt and Jim Dickinson wrote it, and Brenda Patterson, with whom Cooter had worked as a guest musician in the 70s, took over the vocals. Cooter is mainly present with a strong electric guitar, and so for a moment you feel like you are listening to one of his session albums. The border opened in cinemas in early 1982. Box office was unremarkable. But as much as we like to complain about the tastes of the general public, who generally don't appreciate musical or cinematic gems, in this case we have to agree with them. The movie falls between all stools. It can't decide which of its many levels it actually wants to focus on. What it does do well is convey a sense of the eternal cycle along the border of the absurd contradictions of a policy that both needs and rejects immigrants. On a dramatic level, however, the border hardly works. The marriage drama is too silly, the corruption plot too cryptic, the savior story too implausible. Vincent Canby wrote in the New York Times, "Although it has been made with intelligence, is well directed and acted and is in touch with the ways of lower middle-class American life."
1: It has the sort of predictable outrage and shape of a made-for-television
0: movie. It has suspense but little excitement. Once the people and the situation have been introduced, there's not a single surprise in the film. Richard Corliss added in Time magazine, Director Richardson is a long way from his old terrain of kitchen sinks and drawing rooms. He allows a few implausibilities and submits the viewer to one
1: winsome muchacho too many. The film's mercuric feeling is heightened by Rick Waite's
0: supple zooms, pans and tracking shots, and by the whining chords of Rye Cooter's music. In the 1982 interview with The Face, Cooter had an explanation for the movie's underwhelming performance. In his opinion, it was the subject matter. There just wasn't enough interest in the fate of the wetbacks, as Mexicans living in the U.S. are sometimes pejoratively referred to. Mind you, nobody cares.
1: Nobody likes wetbacks and nobody likes movies about wetbacks. If it wasn't a popular movie, and it wasn't, it's because it wasn't a popular subject. It's a grisly problem, and traditionally grisly problems involving people are always swept under the carpet because of the size of the place. You can stick all the pachucos in the eastern part and all the blacks down in watts, and no one's gonna care so long as they don't see them. The politicians that run LA aren't gonna solve the problem. It's only worse now with Reagan in there taking away even the little token amounts of money for people that really need it. He was governor of California, and he did more to sell out that state into the hands of big business than any other governor in the history of California.
0: If the border draws a line to the Tex-Mex tunes on chicken skin music, then Cooter's one-session album from 1982 draws a line to the Hawaiian tunes on Cooter's 1976 masterpiece. Called Cane Fire, it was the fourth studio album by the Peter Moon Band, formed in 1979 by, you guessed it, Peter Moon. Born in Honolulu in 1944, to parents of Korean and Chinese descent, Moon helped spark a renaissance of Hawaiian music in the 1970s. Growing up, he loved music and would put classical music on the turntable while taking naps. He was naturally gifted with the ukulele and slack key guitar and learned to play both by ear. In the 1960s, he played with Gabby Pahinui and later served as his manager. Moon began recording in the late 60s and later performed with a band called Sunday Manoa. The Peter Moon Band released its first album in 1979. They incorporated elements of rock, reggae, swing, jazz, and Latin music in a series of albums through the mid-1990s. This mix of styles can be heard on the one song on Cane Fire to which Cooter contributed his electric guitar. It has the rather unpronounceable title, Hanohano Hanalei. That brings us to the end of episode 15 of the rye cooter story thanks for listening in our next episode we will stay in 1982 as cooter released another solo album that year aptly titled the slide area it may not be his strongest effort ever but it still contains a lot of great songs at the same time it marked the end of an era for the slide area was the 10th album to be released in an astonishingly short period of time between 1970 and 1982, to be exact. He would never be as prolific again. In the 30 or so years between 1987 and 2018, only eight more would follow. So never despise a cooter solo album and tune in in two weeks. In the meantime, follow us on social media. As always, you can find all the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.